the community banks just feel uh, that they can't compete, the community regional banks can't compete with the money center banks mm-hmm. on a technology front. So they're not, you know, and one of the reasons we actually came into the market is we feel that they've been, um, uh, they haven't been afforded a level playing field from a technology perspective because the existing providers, uh, you know, haven't really kept up, kept pace with the large financial institutions and, and given them the tools to, um, to, to compete at a technical level with, uh, uh, with the larger banks and with the, um, and with the fintech companies. So we're, we're trying to um, do what we can to, to make it a fair fight for everybody. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Frank Sanchez has been in the core banking technology space for 35 years. He's back now with Finzac, a SaaS core banking system that's gunning for the big providers. Frank joins us on the show to talk about how modern banking requirements have evolved throughout his career and what Finzac is doing to build an ecosystem of interconnected software for its bank and credit union clients. Off a recent fundraising round where the American Bankers Association, Accenture Ventures, and SunTrust Bank participated, Frank describes what model-driven architecture is and how it should help FinZac clients to deploy customizations quickly and effectively. Frank Sanchez is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, I'm Frank Sanchez. I'm the chairman and CEO of FinZac and founder. Um, And FinZac is a startup financial services company that has taken, uh, decided to dive into the deep end of the pool and create a next generation of a core banking platform. And I've been in the core banking business for uh, personally for over 35 years as uh, most recently as a, an executive in a startup bank in Silicon Valley called Zen Banks. And then uh, prior to that as uh, an executive at the largest banking uh, service provider called Fidelity Information Services. And prior to that as a public company CEO of a uh, bank technology company called Sanchez Computer Associates. So you know a little bit about core banking. Um, it's not your first rodeo. So one of the, <laughs> I was most excited to hear about from you is sort of to take us through that 30, 35 year evolution of, of how core banking has changed and, and how modern banking requirements have evolved as well. Sure. Well, when, when we started, I started with my brother and my, and my dad, and um, I think I hired pretty much my entire um, uh, um, co- uh, fraternity in college, and we, we did a kickoff kind of um, technology company in 1980 to um, address what was the recent deregulation back then, where, where banks were starting to uh, encroach on each other's territories as far as customer bases and, and products and the like. And we felt that we could develop a, uh, a core system, which is a system that really can be viewed as, as the factory or plant floor of a, of a bank, that we could develop a core system that would enable institutions, uh, whether they were credit unions or um, savings banks at the time or, or commercial banks and, and even large banks to be able to compete uh, with each other with a, with a great deal of flexibility in the terms of the, the products that they could offer in the customer segments that they could uh, acquire. And we, um, we rode that company, we developed technology, we built a, a core banking system. Uh, we went public in uh, 1990, seven, I believe, and um, the company became uh, very successful um, overseas uh, as, um, as countries were um, kind of coming into the Western uh, uh, view of the world. And we, we wound up being in Poland and the Czech Republic and over in Asia, uh, discovered along the way that we were, as much as 
we may have thought that we were uh, a technology company. We were really also an infrastructure company, and we were constantly being brought into areas and geographies where there was a, a significant change in the way that banking was uh, conducted, uh, either through technology or through products or through de deregulation. Uh, and you know, right along the, the end of uh, the 1990s, we had a similar phenomenon in the U.S. when the first wave of internet banks. Uh, came out and everybody, you know, all the large banks wanted an internet uh, presence and a lot of uh, pure play internet banks started. And again, we found ourselves in the middle of a uh, of an infrastructure upgrade and were very successful uh, at that time implementing the first wave of, of internet banks. And then um, the internet went up and it went down uh, in the early 2000s and being a public company was a rocky episode for us in terms of stock price and shareholders and the like. And uh, you know, we were successful, we were growing, but I felt it was, uh, it would be better for us at the time to uh, merge into a larger company and we were acquired in 2003 by Fidelity Information Services and, and I came down to run their um, large bank business, what they called enterprise banking, uh, global technology, um, and a num number of other businesses. And my brother Mike came down to run their, their international business and we stayed there, promised, promised we'd be there for two years. For me, it wound up being uh, seven years, and um, and then I retired for the first time uh, in 2011 from F from FIS. And so, uh, I, given given that perspective, what what was happening around 2011? I guess also I, I think that was a that was a pivotal time in history, um, as we we sort of saw. Well, it was actually even a couple of years before that, but like correct, really developer driven companies, right? We're starting to come onto the scene, um, API driven companies, and and. You know, it hadn't quite hit the financial services industry yet, right? Yeah, and I think there's a few things that um, that that were happening right around the time frame. You know, and in hindsight, you can see you can see the evolution. One one was uh, one was that the banking industry itself was uh, uh, coming out of a, a major you know recession from from the, the just the real estate crisis season of the two thousand you know around two thousand and eight, and uh, they were they were sort of just able to actually come back into the market and react to um, uh, technology initiatives and other, and, and, and actually look at their uh, horizon with a, with a kind of a positive perspective of growth. And then the other is that the FinTech companies, um, the Silicon Valley startups were really starting to encroach on, um, you know, on banking territory and, you know, leveraging uh, very large customer bases and social networks and that type of thing to, you know, to move into payments and to move into banking services. And that, that movement, um, that movement started around that time frame. And I think, um, you know, and obviously it's continuing, uh, you know, it's continuing to expand today. We're see, we see more, more and more uh, presence of, uh, of non-banking uh, intermediaries uh, in the, you know, in the banking marketplace. And we see banks reacting to that. And, and the other phenomenon that we've seen really evolve um, significant, that's probably from around 2010, is just the transition of, um, of, of the interface to banking from the classic channels, you know, um, uh, ATM point of sale branch, uh, maybe a little internet. Now it's, it's, it's a little more in, internet and a lot of mobile devices. So you're seeing a, a very big transition in terms of how um, individuals and, and businesses expect to interact with their financial services providers. And you bring up a great point because, I mean, banks today are being encroached upon from all different directions, um, frequently by a non-financial um, company that's getting into financial services. But from your perspective and, and given your network, 
are, are banks concerned about that? Are they, are they worried? I, they're absolutely worried. I, the, uh, I, I think what we're seeing right now, uh, you know, the, the benefits of uh, location and physical footprint and, 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 and even brand to a large extent have been, you know, erased or, or mitigated. So I think banks are very concerned about that in, in, in a sense that the barrier to entry has been lowered and, and that anybody with, with a, um, you, you know, a, a good interface or, you and know, debit or, card, right? That gets you into yeah, nowadays. Yeah. yeah they, they, they can get in and they can start, uh, you know, and they can start to engage. So they, I think we're in the middle of a, you know, just of a huge battle for customers, you know, and, uh, and, and banks realize that they don't have, um, you know, there's no kind of, uh, uh, or minimal gating or barrier to entry to, to, to become the, uh, you know, the, the, the eyeball consumer for customer. And, and what entities are, are banks most concerned about? Are they concerned about, you know, big tech firms moving into financial services or are they, do they see challenger banks as, as being, you know, a, a threat to displacement? Well, that's a very good question, Zach. I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's depending on the, on the market, uh, community banks versus larger, you know, uh, regional, super regionals, it might be a different uh, threat perspective. But, but to, to specifically to answer your question, they're, they're concerned about both, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the challenger banks that are, um, you know, that are, that are coming out of, uh, you know, larger banks that are looking at uh, new customer bases and new segmentation and new product offerings are, are a threat and the fintech companies are, uh, you know, Apple and Facebook and Google and the like, and, and certainly the, the recent payments announcement, even from PayPal, you know, they're, they're clearly, uh, they're clearly looking to carve into the payment space. And, and, and from there, of course, you probably would want to own the, 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 the payment account and then and you wind up with, you know, you wind up with deposits and then you start getting into lending. So that type of thing. So the, the, you know, the fintechs are clearly, uh, involved or involved in the lending side. I mean, I, I worked for, uh, uh, we sold Zen Banks to, where I was a, a founder and executive. We sold it to SoFi, so very familiar with uh, what their offering was in the market. So that you're getting that uh, pressure, and I think all banks feel that. And then, uh, you know, on top of that, the community banks just feel uh, that they can't compete. The community regional banks can't compete with the money center banks mm-hmm. on a technology front. So they're not, you know, and one of the reasons we actually came into the market is we feel that they've been um, – uh, they haven't been afforded a level playing field from a technology perspective because the existing providers, uh, you know, haven't really kept up, kept pace with the large financial institutions and, and given them the tools to, um, to, to compete at a technical level with, uh, uh, with the larger banks and with the, um, and with the fintech companies. So we're, we're trying to um, do what we can to, to make it a fair fight for everybody. <laughs> so that's a great segue. Let, let's talk about what you are doing to, to even the playing field. Um, you, mm-hmm. you raised this, you announced a fundraising round earlier this year, I guess in, in, in January and the ABA was involved in that. Um, can you take us through sort of that now to, you know, going out and building the product? Yeah, sure. Well, the, we actually started building the product at the very end. I, I raised 12 million at the very end of 2016. And, and that, uh, that capital was earmarked for, uh, to, to go, to move forward from a PowerPoint presentation to actual, uh, running code that would that could support you know U.S. banking products, and so so we spent the, the better part of so. no no problem we yeah. spent the better part of 2017 and um, and eight and um, 18 uh, building the product. We went into a, a friends and family uh, with our first customer, Live Oak Bank in Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, at the uh, towards the end of 2018, and at that point we felt and do feel 
that we have a, uh, a very competitive offering for the U.S. banking market. It supports the U.S. banking products and regulatory requirements and it provides a lot of technology we think are, is beneficial. So we, we raised money in the beginning of this year. And as you indicated, uh, uh, participate, the round was participated by the American Bankers Association, Association and some large banks, uh, also um, Accenture, uh, and then the, the original investors. And we raised 30 million really to expand the company uh, to go to market so that we would be able to, to uh, have the bandwidth to you know, uh, engage in and consume multiple projects concurrently. Um, always, you know, software's never done, right? So we, we had to go from MVP or minimum viable product to uh, enhancements that we feel, uh, you know, would further differentiate us in, you know, in the marketplace in terms of what we're able to, to bring to market, which is, which is a, we hope is a compelling solution that has substantial economic benefits to the customers and direct, uh, direct impact to our customers, uh, cost income ratios and financial performance. But probably more important is that it, it provides them the, the technical tools to, um, uh, to build the type of solutions and interfaces that are demanded, you know, that are demanded in, in, uh, in the mobile, you know, electronic banking world of today. So, so one of the things that I think that impressed upon me when, when, when I went to the site and, and saw some of the work that you guys were doing was, was this ecosystem building that you're doing. Can, can you mm-hmm. describe um, what that is and why that's important in today's uh, banking environment? Sure. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, in two dimensions, and one dimension, when we raise the original capital, and even now, the um, the amount of effort, capital, and time that it takes to to build an, a complete end to end banking solution is is extraordinary. And and anytime you have extraordinary capital requirements with long delays, you have substantial risk of execution. And will you ever get to market? Will you will this thing be ever be built you know is it is it too big it will fall on its own weight and one of the decisions that that i made very early in the process of forming the company is that we were going to focus on on one thing which is core banking system of record and we were going to do that one thing extraordinarily well and that we were going to um, rely on and partner with fintech companies that are very good at other things and together uh, we would be uh, we would enter the marketplace with an end-to-end solution that uh, that was best in breed, for, you know, up and down the stack from the from the system of record through the channel solutions, through the business intelligence and decision support solutions and fraud solutions and the like that that we would have uh, through through very modern um, referred to as APIs or interface uh, uh, designs. We'd be able to connect these things easily. We'd be able to plug and play, and we'd be able to give um, the customer a uh, compelling combined solution and um, equally or more importantly we would allow our customers or the marketplace to choose from the ecosystem uh, which components were relevant to 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 them individually uh, and to be able to select in and out uh, across multiple vendors so that you know that there would be competition in the market for the solution and uh, there would be there there would be options and people be able to find their price points and function points that made sense for the businesses they, that they were driving. And that's in stark contrast to the existing suppliers, which really provide an end-to-end stack and, and mm-hmm. you know, don't let you really go and shop around and pick your, pick your pieces. So it's a, it's a very deliberate uh, counter strategy to the, to the strategy that the, that the existing providers um, offer. So, so it's not just an ecosystem. It's really, it's a marketplace. And, and the goal longer term exactly. is just to have yeah. that a liquid marketplace so that, a bank can pick and choose exactly what they wanted, and and you guys are you guys are the 
sort of the, the, the enablers and, and not necessarily taking ownership over each one of those components. That, that's a, that, that's a great way to express it. And that's exactly what it is. And we also think that that competition and choice improves the breed generally. And, and we anticipate that there will be competition and choice at the, at the core level. And we look forward to um, engaging in those battles, but the, uh, you know, we, yeah, we, we want to uh, tops the pyramids, you know, we want uh, the, the best and the brightest to go out there and see individual opportunities for themselves as FinTech companies, just as we see an individual opportunity for us and, and to be compelled to, um, you, you know, to um, be, be very, very good at, at, at one thing and then to bind up with other organizations that are very, very good at one thing versus kind of being, a, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep, you know, which is yeah. what happens with a lot of companies. So, so is, is the ecosystem in that marketplace, is that, you, you mentioned earlier in our conversation that, um, you know, a lot of the smaller mid-sized banks and, and, and credit unions are held captive in a sense, you didn't use that language, that's my language, mm-hmm. um, by mm-hmm. their core providers. How, do you, how, mm-hmm. how does FinZac, you know, avoid that same problem as you guys grow? Well, for one thing, it's a good question. For one thing, uh, we, 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 we're, we are going to be much, and we are much friendlier, uh, already on contracts and how we engage with customers so we uh, you know that that takes you certain you know certain way down the path of of the question that you're you're asking but we're not going to lock our customers yeah yeah they're processing contracts with us or be they're consumption based uh Mm -hmm. we'll let a bank exit or financial institution exit at any time they want to exit if if uh, if we're not the right provider uh if we're not providing the benefits that we've described and uh, in any event, if the organization is not satisfied with us, and we will facilitate them uh, moving off of our uh, moving off of our platform. So, uh, you know that, and that's something that we can control. Um, we're also because we're consumption based. Um, we, you know, the, the institutions only have to use us for um, the capacity that they that they're requiring from us, and they don't have to buy. You know, they don't have to buy over capacity. They don't have to commit to us to buy everything from us, and then and all the you know penalties and onerous exclusivity conditions that they deal with today. So that's, you know, uh, that, that's important to us. And the fact that we're committed to uh, industry standards and open APIs actually makes the, the act of moving on or off our platform uh, feasible. So, it, it, you know, as you know, Zach, any, you know, core systems kind of a sticky uh, piece of technology and it's, you know, it's, it's one thing to say you can get off, but really, um, uh, really is it, is it feasible? And, and we're making it feasible to get on uh, the system, which is to our benefit, <laughs> and to get off the system, which is to our benefit as well, because we 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 don't ever want anybody to feel that they're forced to using us because of of a technology challenge of uh, of having to get off. It's it's a different breed of company, uh, you know. That's I think that's why the ABA was as interested as they were, because uh, they, we're, we're here to benefit. Uh, we're here to benefit the industry. Yes, we're going to make some money, but um, we're not owned by Wall Street. Uh, you know startup our our cost base is low um, there's plenty of room for us to grow um, and we think we can we think we can be very compelling and very competitive and still be a very successful company and I guess you know we, we have a lot of um, both uh, you know banks on on the podcast as well as as, as technology providers to the banks you know and, and one of the things we always hear about on, on both sides of, of the market you know is the sort of the long sales cycle how are you gearing up and how are you thinking about uh, distribution um, to get into in front of you know your your core your core constituents sure 
Sure. The, the, the sales cycle, <laughs> just a quick comment on that. So, so we went to market around uh, February timeframe and the, uh, the pipeline in the sales cycle has been, um, has been unbelievable. I have to be honest with you. It took me two years to decide um, to start FinZact. And, and one of the main areas of resistance because of people are calling and saying, hey, you know, build, a, build the next generation core, take another lap around the track, all these kind of euphemisms and metaphors. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I, I thought long and hard about it because I kind of like, will they, you know, everybody's, you know, the banks are complaining, they want something different, but at the end of the day, are they really going to switch off of uh, the solutions that they're currently operating on? And, and uh, it took a while to get convinced of that. I finally was convinced of it. And the, uh, I can tell you the level of, um, of interest and enthusiasm has been extraordinary. The pipeline is, is way bigger than we anticipated it would be. We get between six and 10 um, uh, emails in the company every you know, week, two weeks that, from bank CEOs and CTOs um, looking for information, wanting to be uh, put into a queue. And, and it's, it's extraordinary. Now I have to turn smoke into fire here. You know? So it's, um, you know, we, we are closing, you know, we're closing deals rapidly. Um, um, you know, but there's, there's a lot of interest and we just have to figure out how to manage to your point, we have to figure out how to scale and, and manage that interest. One thing that we're doing, uh, that we've committed to very early is just as we're focusing on the, uh, on, at the technology level on the core system and the system of record, we're focusing on delivery through best in class, um, uh, professional services companies that have done it before that, that are, are, are process oriented that have, uh, um, uh, deep experience and discipline and control and process and process management. So uh, we're, we have a relationship with Accenture, who um, uh, made a significant investment in us in this round. We have a relationship with Deloitte. Um, we're talking with a number of the other professional services firms, not just the, 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 the tier one brand, national brand names, but the names that are involved in, you know, directly in the industry, maybe in the community, regional, or credit union level. Can't disclose those names yet because I, I don't want to disclose names where I don't have, sure. you know, contracted agreements. But we're, you know, the, the professional services companies are very interested in working with us. And we're very interested in working with them. I don't, um, I really don't want to build a large professional services staff and capability here and duplicate cap capabilities and scale that's already uh, existing in the marketplace. I'd rather work with with providers that are that that have the reputation and have the have the process down pat. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what about the ABA in that scheme? So obviously they're they're a strategic investor. Is there a way um, that you can help to leverage th their um, footprint? No, they've they they've uh, they've agreed and they've they've been very helpful to us to this point uh, in terms of um, introducing us to their you know, substantial customer base and mailing list. And uh, they've been vocal about uh, what they believe we can do. They're, they're sort of uh, waiting on, on us a little bit to say we're, you know, we're ready to go in terms of kind of All massive engine. scalability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, however, they've also agreed to assist us in that way, any way they can. So education programs, um, seminars, um, podcasts, <laughs> things along those lines where, where we can start to educate the uh, their market as to what's available uh what what would need to be uh in place or be true in order to start you know a migration of a bank what would banks should be looking for uh whether we're a fit or not um you know those types of criteria and, and the aba has been uh, been very helpful um with us in those types of outreaches in which we could never scale up to on our own sure and we have time for one last question um 
so you talked very much about your focus. We're just, we're focused on core. Um, mm -hmm. So can you give us a feel, I guess, for um, what your big goals are for the rest of the year? Obviously, you know, you're, you're racing, you know, to, to, to continue to grow, whatever, but mm -hmm. uh, from a product perspective, will, will we see new products from you or is it a matter of just now taking what you guys have built, perfecting it and getting a lot of people on the platform? Um, yes. Yeah, so the goals for the, the, to, to your, to the second half of your question, you will see yeah, new like products six questions we, thrown in there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. We, we, uh, we, we focused and we originally rolled out our MVP product was the us deposits and the, um, so savings and term deposits and, um, and DDA came later because we had, we had to implement cards and, you know, ATM POS networks. And so, uh, the deposits part is rolled out. We're just rolling out lending now and, and we'll see, um, increased functionality and capabilities on the, on the types of loans and loan portfolios, uh, that we're able to, um, service as we go through the, through the end of, you know, through the end of this year. So we started with uh, installment and line of credit. And that makes sense because line of credit is kind of necessary on the DEA side. And now, you know, we'll start to roll through some small, small, medium enterprise loans, CRE, CRAs, and, uh, and, and get into, get into more of the commercial uh, lending space. So you'll see that kind of product rollout, functional rollout as, as we continue to go forward. And then from an implementation, this customer perspective, uh, we have five banks um, or fintechs that we're currently installing, and the uh, you know my commitment to the to my board of directors in uh, what was it March was that we would have two to four banks um, up and running by the end of the year, and it looks like we'll easily hit that target. Um, so you'll you'll see you'll start to see uh, more names pop up at, in, as far as banks and fintechs that are. Uh, engaged in implementation of you know of the product that I can't fully disclose right now, but I can I can promise you that we're the, these con these projects are underway, so we're ahead of plan there, and I think you just we'll just see more visibility of the uh, you know of this thing rolling out into the marketplace and actually being deployed. Got it. Well, we're definitely interested to hear the uh, yeah. continued growth story. Frank, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot. Nice talking to you, Zach.